Tom Bernard Show with Ray Charles. And <laughs> Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be back with Ray right after this Tom Bernard Show. We talked about this uh, in the first hour. It's that time of the year that if you're a business owner, you should take advantage of the tax code, uh, Section 179. If you use a vehicle that's over 6,000-pound gross vehicle weight rating, you can get a huge tax break courtesy of the government. Um, some great examples. I just got a text this morning from the guy who runs. We have two Buick stores, one up uh, on Roseville and the other one, the house of, well, formerly the house of J-Lo in Bloomington. We've got a deal on Sierra trucks, uh, half-ton and uh, SLTs and Denali's, they're $14,000 off MSRP. So you could get make a heck of a deal and have the government pay for a big part of your truck. If you need any more information, you can always email me at dougatwalzer.com, and I'll do what I can to help you. It is a wonderful thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Doug Sprinthal here, Cassie, Andy, you know. Thank you again to Dr. Jacob Merman and Nancy Michaels. Good conversation because people, I think, get intimidated by how confusing doctors' visits can be. That's why Dr. Merman is uh, such a great guy. He's become a friend, actually. Well, I like the, the, the fact that he's not, and this is probably the perception that a lot of people have, is these clinics are just set up for money-making machine, and they rubber stamp people and give them right. marijuana and send them on their way. But I was really impressed by his whole approach to um, you know, internal medicine and home, homeopathic stuff. And, the, and the, what he said is that the cannabis is really just that's the beginning. It opens the door to other treatments. And I, I don't yep. think that he said this on the air, but he's never tried it before. I found oh, he's that never tried it. No, yeah. he's never mm-hmm. tried it himself. He's just a real solid guy, real nice man. Grew up in St. Petersburg, Russia, and came to America and is doing kind of living the American dream. You know what? Uh, did that he's used to be American. Stalingrad? Is that St. Peter or is that Petra? I think it used to be. Yeah, I don't know. Andy knows that. Look up what? Stalingrad. I'll read this story while you're looking it up. Stalingrad. Stalingrad. Uh, let's see here. So I think that's St. Petersburg. It is now Volgograd. Oh. What is St. Petersburg? Is it Volgograd? No, Stalingrad. Oh, Stalingrad. Oh, Stalingrad became, became Volgograd. Well, yeah. You want to? You wouldn't want to keep the Stalin name on that. Uh, probably not. That's probably <laughs> probably is good advice. Probably true. Lech Walesa is still fighting. The founder of Poland's anti-communist solidarity movement attended President George H.W. Bush's state funeral in Washington wearing a T-shirt bearing the word Konstytucja, which is just constitution in, in Polish. Uh, look, if you're going to have a Polish language, don't just kind of take a couple of ends off the end of American words. Well, that's Const- how I speak Spanish. I just add O to the end of every word-o. <laughs> yeah, word-o. Yeah, thank you. 
a symbol of political struggle in his homeland against the populist movement. He and other critics accuse the nation, uh, the National Conservative ruling party in power since 2015, of eroding the very democracy Walensa helped achieve, mainly by eroding the independence of the judiciary. Some of Walensa's, I never did understand, W-A-L-E-S-A is Walensa. Yeah. Where's the end come in? Damn it. Yeah, Polish uh, compatriots critic. Well, it's like Bilski. Typical. Yeah. Uh, compatriots criticizing him, saying he should have worn more formal attire as he paid his respects to the 41st president of the Washington National Cathedral on Wednesday. They said it was not the time or place to make a political statement about a domestic issue. But defenders say the eccentric and outspoken 75. He's only 75. That's, I would have guessed more than that. Oh God, yeah. Once a political uh, political prisoner of the Soviet-backed communist regime and the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize in 1983, he has earned the right to do whatever he pleases. Uh, I would tend to. I would not. I don't think that George H. W. Bush would have been offended by his no. T-shirt at all. I listened to a lot of those speeches yesterday. They were great. They, they were. were really, really great. They the, were terrific. Uh, Some uh, were very funny, actually. Prime Minister, former Prime Minister of Canada, uh, was talking about. He read a letter from the. German Chancellor when they reunited Germany, and he said it never would have happened without Bush. With, yeah. Without his leadership, to, there you go. he had one shot to get it right. It was really great. And some of some of the speeches were really funny, actually. I love the fact, so the funerals yesterday, you got Hillary, then you got Bill, then you got uh, um, Michelle Obama, then you got Barack Obama, then you had Melania, and then you had Donald Trump. They were all sitting together. Hillary wouldn't even make eye contact with Donald Trump, which was funny. But I saw today, I noticed during the KQ Morning Show, people were bitching at President Trump about the funeral because of his posture. Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) I didn't see that one. Trying so hard. Posture. They said he was slumped over. What that may be, ladies and gentlemen, and again, it's probably not even conscious. He's not even conscious he's doing it. But you make yourself smaller when you're not the center of attention, so you kind of tend to lean over a little bit. He was not being disrespectful. Why every little thing now has to be pointed out, Mm -hmm. I will never understand. His posture at a funeral. I do remember. I can't remember whose funeral it was, but I remember they caught Bill Clinton laughing at a funeral one time, and he all oh, of a sudden yeah. realized. Oh yeah, no, that was recent. That, and that who was, was Barbara that? Bush? I think. Was it Barbara I Bush? I think it was. I think you might be right. It might have been Barbara Bush. They caught Bill Clinton laughing at the funeral. All of a sudden, he it was realized. a Ron Brown funeral. Oh, apparently. that's right. Oh, it and was. That was a it long was. time ago, actually. But he he all of a sudden realized the camera was on him, and he got very solemn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, hey, look, they're human beings. Can we get back to the fact that we're all human beings? Does Bill Clinton want to be caught laughing? Of course not. Does Donald Trump want to make it look like he's bored? No, of course he didn't. We are human beings, all of us. Calm down. Right. The only thing I'm concerned about is the stock market's down 1,500 points 1600 since Monday. Last I saw. Well, it's been going up and down the Good. past What's well, because of China? It's because of the Chinese situation. Yeah. But he's uh, he's meeting with China over that again, isn't he? It's been all well, over no, the place. Well, no, the Canadians just arrested the head of uh, some uh, big Chinese right. CFO, and that's what's yep. that's causing right. the market. This, that's this right. This whole trade war thing is not... I just hope he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. Should we just keep giving our money to, to countries that do nothing for us? Well, uh, I don't think so. I know that's not a popular opinion to say we should. I think that we should be more prudent about how we do it. Yes. But here's a, here's a good example. So I think it was during Carter that we started to give aid to Egypt, about a billion yeah, dollars yep. a year. About a billion a year, And yep. that recently stopped. But when you think about it, Egypt stayed out of all that um, Middle Eastern conflict for 35 years. Right. And it cost, okay, a billion a year. Mm-hmm. It cost us $11 billion a month to be in Iraq and yeah. $12 billion a month to be in Afghanistan. So if you look at it just from a business thing, where do you get your best return? Where, I mean, where it, you don't know that it prevented wars by doing that, but if it did, it, it, it in turn saves American lives. So I think to just to say we should never give aid to countries uh, and, you know, look at this. Well, I don't mean that. Look at what happened after World War One, and it was mostly the French, mm-hmm. but the Americans were on board too. The whole Treaty of Versailles, it bankrupted Germany, and look what happened. Now spin the clock ahead 20 years to the Marshall Plan and what the U.S. did to Europe after World War II, and it's been peaceful ever since. 
The only problem that I have with the whole thing, I understand you want to want to offer aid, and that's how people do business, all the rest of it. I don't think it's prudent to borrow money to give to other countries. No, no, that's I think idiotic. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I will. Now we're all on personal opinion, but I might as well not stop. I'm very socially <laughs> liberal, but I'm also financially conservative. Yeah, I remember JB yeah. and I had a long conversation about that. I think at Bar La Grassa a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was the same way. And I said, you know, I, I look at this 21 or $22 trillion in debt, and no matter what the number is. It's, it's like maybe we don't have the money to give. Yeah, 25. Maybe we need to throttle back a little bit. We do absolutely need to throttle back a bit. And each president in the last four or five presidents is guilty of causing, uh, you know, this problem. There's, yeah, no, there's no, Obama of, definitely did it. I, oh, I would God, say in yes. his defense, though, that... Because I know a lot of my brother-in-laws in the FDIC, and I know a lot of bankers, and they tend to be pretty conservative people. Yeah, yep. I've asked them all at you know 2009, 10, 11. Says, what would happen if Obama didn't do that? And they all said, yeah, that'd be the end. It would have been over. Yeah. And the deficit was coming down in his last few years. And I, you know, I, I, there's he did a lot of things that I didn't like. I think he made some mistakes because he's really arrogant. He's incredibly 2010, arrogant. Just like Trump. If he hadn't, if he'd reached across the aisle and started working with the Republicans, a lot of them hated him. But we we wouldn't be where we are today. Well, he was a community activist. He was in no way qualified to be president of the United States. Kind of like Donald Trump, yeah. who was also in no way qualified. How, many, how often is it? A- yeah. About qualification and yeah, not you're popularity. Right. You're right. Almost I do never. think you're that right. he had a head start, though, because he's an attorney. And, you know, it's popular not to like attorneys. But one thing, that's the reason like that Bryant, is so filled with them. Yeah, that's is that true. At least they understand what the rules are and, and how it all works. Because that's, I don't know. We, we have like, Lisa Snyderman on the phone. Lisa. You do. How you do. You? <laughs> he goes, you do. <laughs> I like that. That's a good take on it. Now, we just thought we're, we're trying to, uh, Lisa, we're trying to solve all the problems of the world. That's all I have to say. Well, I'm here to help. How can I help? I like that. She just kind of went, yeah, good luck yeah, to you. good luck. <laughs> I heard that in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. I heard that. Uh, Lights in the Darkness creating to heal special event, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can watch it on Facebook Live, a, a Facebook Live event, Lights in the Darkness, Creating to Heal, uh, live streaming online, multimedia performances featuring more than 50 artists creating uh, to heal and shining their lights. I want to hear all, what's this all about, Lisa? So you basically said it. It's a collaboration with more than 50 artists from all around the world. There's artists, musicians, authors. And the uh, spark for this is that, uh, you know, because I was on here before, my journey is living with a chronic illness for more than 10 years and obsessively creating to heal. And when I was writing my memoir and doing some soul searching, I thought about how I wanted to share my story and realized I really wanted to collaborate with other artists who were creating to heal. So I actually put out a post back in May, you know, looking for artists who might want to collaborate with me. And I was overwhelmed, you know, by the amount of interest and participation, so much so that I started a Facebook group, you know, a a new community that's Lights in the Darkness, which has grown, you know, just in a couple of months to more than 180 artists. And it's been a really neat experience where, you know, the way I look at it is we all battle our own darknesses, right? Life challenges and illnesses. And many of us have turned to art and music as a healing path. But we're part of something that's a lot bigger than that, you know, bigger than ourselves. And when we share our stories and music and we're helping others who might be battling something similar. So the reason, you know, the term lights in the darkness came from this whole idea where, um, you know, we're beacons for other people and we're, we're opening the door for others to share their stories, which can continue to promote that healing. You know, Lisa, we need a lot more of this. As a matter of fact, we talked about it in the first hour of this show. I talked about it on my morning show. I think there might be a crack in the, uh, in the, the window here of everyone hating one another. And I don't understand that at all. It's political opinion. Uh, you know, the, you got the far right, the far left, they ought to battle it out while all the rest of us, Democrats, Republicans, and centrists are trapped in this. But I think things like this, what you're doing, 
are going to help a lot. You and I talked before about that. A light in the darkness transcending chronic illness through the power of art and attitude. We talked a lot about attitude. Don't you think that is a huge part of the success, isn't it? It's huge because what's so neat about this is there's sometimes there's a tendency for artists to feel competitive, right, for either being in the spotlight or for recognition or for climbing their own, you know, career ladders. And this is more of an opportunity to say, shine your light, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you are and in whatever expressive tendency you might have, you know, somebody might be doing something in a theater or film media, you know, somebody else is doing something in poetry, somebody's doing something in music, or, you know, somebody's being an advocate, but all of those things are their artistic expression. So there's not, you know, any of this tendency towards competition. It's all about, you know, hey, let's shine our lights and, and be an example for others, you know, inspire others who might be going through something similar. Yeah, I mean, and you know because we talked. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm listening. I'm I'm fascinated by this. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know when we talked last time that when I started sharing my story, I think I said that all of a sudden it's an opening, you know, for others to come forward and say, you know, I it's like a me too, right? It may not be the same thing. They may not have dealt with the same chronic illness per se. But they have similar emotions, you know, that are sparked from their life challenges. And so reading something in my book gives them inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. to continue doing something in their life. And then they share that with me, right? And so it's that healing keeps happening. It's in the creating, but it's also in that sharing process. So one thing I didn't mention, one thing that was important to me is that I wanted to have an event, you know, to do my release for my book and to, mm-hmm. to share all of our work. But I also wanted to make sure that it wasn't bound in one geographic space and time because then it limits participation. So what I ended up doing is because of this interest, I expanded the project basically to interview and record conversations with artists from all over the world who wanted to take part. So the reason that this, you know, 50 artists is because I started out with, you know, people who want to perform. Now I have an, yeah, we Can lost you hear me? Tell you what, we're going to take a very quick break and be right back. We'll, we'll see. There was a bit of a phone problem. We'll try to get it remedied. So if you could call back, actually, we'll disconnect. And if you could call back, that'd be great. All right? Okay. Thanks. Thank you. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. 
Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Yeah, there you go. Little Nat King Cole. Never hurt anybody. Ah, there she is. Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Doug, you ever hear a better singer than that, King Cole? You know, my favorite uh. Christmas album, and I just bought the vinyl version of it. I remembered growing up, and it's Bing Crosby's the Christmas album. Oh, He's God. got the Santa hat yeah. on and the yep. white thing. That's, yep. For me, that's just... Because it, it's, it's as good as it gets. I'm four years old again every time I play that. Yeah. Of course, Lisa Snyderman is way too young to remember any of that stuff. We do know that, right, ha. Lisa? <laughs> yeah, but her, her music still, you know, strikes a chord. It doesn't matter. She's timeless. No, it is unbelievable. The whole thing is just fantastic. It, whether it's Nat King Cole or it's Bing Crosby or... Whoever yeah. it is, Christmas. So, who is your? Do you have a favorite Christmas song, Lisa, or do you Hanukkah song, Kwanzaa well, song, whatever? I you was want. just gonna say I, I am I'm Jewish, but I just get it's the spirit of the year. So it isn't necessarily a favorite song, but it's just like you said, it's the spirit. So just for that, Lisa, I'm not going to sing dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Oh, made that's you a horrible song. Oh, thank I'm, you for that. I'm sorry, Lisa. I can't do it. <laughs> that's not a great tune. No, I, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's as good. What are you going to do, right? Uh, I think we made up for it over the years because Irving Berlin, was, uh, a nice Jewish man himself, wrote White Christmas. So he did a pretty nice job, I think. Lisa. Yeah, you can't really you can't really mix with perfection, right? No, that's exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking yeah. Lights in the Darkness, Creating to Heal, Lisa Snyderman, our special guest. Uh so yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit uh, about your your situation. Of course, we talked to Lisa earlier about uh about uh, many many different things as a matter of fact. Uh Lisa did a great job. She said uh we How long ago was it we talked last, Lisa? I was trying to think. I believe it was just a couple months. Yeah, a couple of months. I yeah. just put the book out in September. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so it probably, I guess it was, you know, September, October. It was probably about three, <laughs> three, three months ago, something like that. Time's flying, yeah. that's all I know. There's no question. <laughs> a light in the darkness transcending chronic illness through the power of art and attitude. It's a wonderful thing. We are talking about uh, live streaming. Live and streaming online multimedia performances featuring more than 50 artists creating. Now, how did you put that together? How did you put together 50 artists to do this? Well, this was the piece that was important to me, is giving everybody who is interested access. So what I wanted to do is once I found out about the interest, I took it upon myself to include video participation. So I actually recorded Zoom conferences, right, with all of these different artists. And they're going to be available starting in three days. So from December 9th through the 16th on my website, alightinthedarkness.info forward slash videos. And you'll be able to see these 45 different conversations. And they range from different things like healing through children's music, through music, art, film, and dance, uh, you know, healing while living with cancer, through writing and helping others, you know, living with chronic illness, living uh, from attacks on the body, living with depression after abuse, right? So I, I thought about how everybody was sharing their stories and, and you know, realized that they sort of fit into these themes. Um, and so that's how I'm going to present them. So that's the first part is the online showcase. And mm-hmm. then it's going to culminate in live performances from mostly Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area artists who want to share their stories live. So we're going to live stream an event on December 16th from 1 to 5, and that's also going to be available. You can get that on my website. And just watch the streaming. And what's neat for me is I'm going to be sharing my own story as well. So, you know, that's my opportunity. In addition to sort of being the producer and founder, I also get to share my own story. That is a wonderful thing. Are you very? This must make you very, very. Do you look back at like, okay, I had the, the, these problems, but look what came of them. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Definitely. So you know, here in all honesty, 
doing this project was very tough on my body. And I didn't necessarily give myself the self-care and need, you know, especially, you know, when you take it upon yourself and you are your own accountability. Um, And the reason I mention it is because it is a reminder to me that living with a chronic illness is exactly that. You know, the journey continues. This isn't me describing something that happened in my past. This is actually, you know, living, breathing, where I'm having, you know, issues as a result of day-to-day activities and being honest about it because this is, you know, exact, it's, it's authentic. It's real. Yeah, it makes total sense. Now, people can watch. So when is the performance? They can go on Facebook Live. Is that correct? They can go on a Facebook event that you mentioned right. called Creating to Heal, mm-hmm. and they can get a link to watch the live stream. And the, the a live stream event is going to be December 16th, that's Sunday, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It'll be streaming online. But they can also go this next week, they can go to my website, alightinthedarkness.info, forward slash videos and be able to watch 45 videos featuring these, you know, what I call conversations on creating to heal. So there'll be conversations with me and one other artist, you know, describing their um, art and their experience, you know, turning to their creativity to help them heal. Lisa, we'll, we'll post all that uh, information so people know what to do, where to go, Facebook Live event, the whole shoot match, Lights in the Darkness, Creating to Heal, and they will give you uh, the all the info you need to get uh, everything covered. Lisa, always a great pleasure. I'm, I'll talk to you in like 90 days. We'll just do it every 90 days now. What do you think? <laughs> There'll be something to talk about in 90 days, I'm sure of it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. It's really nice to be back. Bye-bye. Nice to have you. Lisa Snyderman, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to give her the old kinky Friedman. Baruch Hattah Adonai, what's the matter with you, boy? <laughs> <laughs> she might not have known who Kinky Friedman is. She sounds a little I don't younger. Know who kinky yeah. Friedman is. You don't? No. Kinky Friedman and the Texas, Texas Jew, Jew boys? boys. <laughs> oh. He was a Jewish liberal kind of hippie guy from yeah. the 60s. Yeah, he was. He was phenomenal. Or he is. He's probably still alive. He's a, he is, yeah, he is still a, he's conservative now. He was a Republican, then he was independent, and now he's a Democrat. Oh, he, he had the one all, oh, he did? Yeah, Kinky jumps around a little bit. He, uh, Kinky Friedman uh, and the Texas Jew Boys had a song hut called, They Don't Make Jews Like Jesus Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. So, Doug... Uh, pretty good show today. I, I, we covered a lot of stuff today. There's we no did. question about covered that. Covered a lot of ground. That's good. Covered a lot of ground. Tried to help people. Uh, no getting around that. Uh, Try to stay away from the madness. Um, I, I have a question can. for you because I'm a fan. So Brittany's getting married tomorrow, right? Tomorrow at seven. Did she o'clock, just suddenly Wait, Monday decide? Wake yeah, up for and real. She just she's got engaged. Married? They're getting married already. Getting married tomorrow. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. my gosh. They're trying to drag me over there. I'm like, forget it. Leave me alone. Oh, you're <laughs> going. I don't go to weddings and funerals. I definitely do not go to funerals. I, I, I don't like I And I people get really well, mad at me. you're not supposed to like them. Yay, it's a funeral. They're dead. But what I'm saying, here's my <laughs> it's problem. part of the deal. And some people get really mad at me if I say this, whatever. I don't mean it that way. I just find, I, I find funerals to be overbearing and uncomfortable there's i don't need to be made sure that this person's dead i know they're dead yeah i for me they fall into two categories if it's an old person it, it, it's this is a total cliche but i think it's right it, it can be a celebration of life somebody made it to yeah, 85 or yeah, 90 i could see like, that. like the president yesterday that was that was cool i would have loved to have been there mm-hmm. uh the tough ones are the unexpected tragedies sarah as you know, sings at a lot of funerals, probably two or three uh, a week. And the toughest one that I ever saw her do was actually the music director at our old church. His mm-hmm. son uh, at two had strangled themselves in the curtain blinds. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, his was the reason that they passed some legislation against it. Mm-hmm. So the music director, you know, and there's just 
his only child, mm -hmm. um, and he's just beside himself with sorrow. And he picked out the song. Sarah has to get up there and sing John Lennon's "Beautiful Boy." Mm -hmm. was, oh, I, I just, love that song. Oh, not at a funeral for a two-year-old. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and I couldn't believe she pulled it off. I mean, everybody's just bawling like crazy. Yeah. It's, I still, it still chokes me up to this day. So those are those are tough, but I don't know. Yeah, I've been to those unexpected funerals, and it's not easy. Yeah, you know, those that, are the tough that ones. A, that's terrible. I have been to one funeral, I think. Which one was that? My Grandma's? mother's? Yeah. My mother's, I yeah. think that's the only funeral I've ever my been mom, to. My mom did one of funerals. She's like, I remember her telling me years and years, every year. She's like, when I die, I don't want this big extravaganza. Just cremate me and put me in the ocean. And I'm like, all right. And that's what we did. <laughs> you know, we honored her wishes, but... Did ever tell you a story about what I did by accident? What did you do by accident? I can even reveal his name now because it's been so many years now, but I had a very good friend I used to work with. But more, I didn't used to work for him a lot, but, but I'd hang out with a guy named Craig Weiss, a brilliant writer, very, very smart guy. And when Craig Weiss died, the family asked me, we'd like to give you a container of his ashes because I know you're going to Florida in a couple of months, and if you would take him down there and put him in the ocean, the Atlantic, he loved the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. so if you put him in the ocean, that'd be great. So I did. I took a container down, and four years later, I found it in my sock drawer. Oh, oh no. no, you left him in the sock drawer? <laughs> now he, he's in the Atlantic now, though. I did oh. put him in the Atlantic now. <laughs> With 20 <laughs> pairs of socks. I just, all of a sudden, I'm going looking for a pair of socks. Like, oh, my God, it's Craig's ass. <laughs> I forgot to do it. Seems cozy in there, though. I, just on a related note, I saw this. I think it might have been on the one of the KQ fan pages. Two altar boys got arrested for putting uh, marijuana in the incense swinger. They did? <laughs> I didn't know I that. I could smell that. <laughs> they got arrested? Aw. Oh, poor kids. Now, that's uh, a church I'd go. That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I lasted as an altar boy for one week. That was it for me. The one-week tour, and then I got the hook. <laughs> well, you probably heard that Nissan's uh, having some problems. Uh-oh. What's that now? Well, the head of him got arrested. Is that oh. what you're talking about? Yeah, for misusing company funds. Yeah, and... he's the guy that saved the company. He's actually the head of Renault Nissan. The Japanese arrested him for financial. You know, it's just he, he did a great job, but he was a super arrogant guy. I know a lot no. of people that reported to him. and. In fact, I'll tell you a story about him. we got a minute. So he was the head of Renault. They took over uh, Nissan back in the 90s when Nissan was about to go bankrupt. Yes. And I know this guy who was a regional finance director for N uh, Nissan uh, Acceptance Company, you know, the company that finances the deals. And he got called to Paris to, for a meeting with Carlos Ghosn. And he goes, well, shit, I blew through my forecast by 35%. This is going to be great, right? So he mm -hmm. goes and shows up. They make him wait for an hour. He goes in. Gohan doesn't even look at him. And he says the following. He goes, um, you exceeded your forecast by 35%. Um, we can't run a company with people that can't forecast. This is a warning. If that ever happens again, you'll be terminated. And he doesn't even get up. He, doesn't ch he flew the guy to Paris just to slap him. Jeez. So that's what really? this guy's like, yeah. Oh my god! Very Fun successful guy. businessman, but he got you well. Know, not anymore. He's not, not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Who? What is Huawei? That's uh, a Chinese company that. Uh, what kind of company? Oh, is this the they CFO? They own yeah. all sorts. Yeah. The CFO that the Canadians yeah. arrested. Yeah, she yeah. got arrested the too. Yeah, Huawei owns all sorts of stuff. They make. Insane amount of money. Revenue of let's see, why would ninety-two billion dollars last year? Woo, that's a pretty good year. Yeah, I think that's how much Second the morning show made though. Largest <laughs> manufacturer of smartphones. Uh, yeah, they're basically a smartphone. So why did they arrest him? This was just it was breaking a woman. This is her. Yeah, it's her, a woman. Sorry. Yeah. The daughter of is it Huawei? Huawei, yes. Huawei. The daughter of Huawei's founder, top executive of the Chinese technology giant, was arrested in Canada, faces extradition to the United States, roiling global stock markets as it threatened to inflame Sino. Is it Sino? Sino American. Sino American trade yep. tensions. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the shock uh, arrest of Meng Huangzhou, 46, who was Huawei Technology uh, Companies Limited. Company Limited's chief financial officer raises fresh doubts over a 90-day truce on trade struck between Presidents Donald Trump and Xi Jinping 
on Saturday, the day she was detained. Her arrest revealed late on Wednesday by Canadian authorities is related to U.S. sanctions. A, personal familiar, a person familiar with the matter said Reuters was unable to determine the precise nature of the possible violation, so we don't know. Well, what I had heard was is that they're accusing him of violating the her. sanction, her, her, or the company uh, violating the uh, Iranian sanctions. Yeah. Put oh, that's, the US. oh, I think yeah, that's, that's, that's what right. it is. Yeah, you're absolutely Good right. Good job pronouncing all those Chinese names. That's not easy. I've been around Andy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Andy knows how to pronounce all Chinese words. Uh, I thought he was I'm not in so, Japan. Yeah, I'm not so great about with the Chinese pronunciations, but I'm better than most, I would say. Doug Sprinthal has to get back to the jail. He's got his ankle bracelet on. It's just started starting. <laughs> they only let you out for an hour. Oh, I know. <laughs> let you out until 2 o'clock, and well, that's it. Well, it's because I'm technically at the doctor. Uh-huh. At the do- I'm at the doctor. I will I- see you in three hours. I'll see you in three hours. Looking forward to it. Thank you, see Dougie. See you guys later. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard, here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I think, I'm not sure about this, but I think uh, Cassie might be high because it's Christmas time. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way I can get through like the holidays. Those. Are those you are kidding great me? Songs, <laughs> great songs, that's all I know. We have a caller, Tom. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Tom? I'm fine, thank you. So what's up, Tom? Well, I wanted to reach out to you. Um, I've been a longtime listener, particularly, of course, at KQ from decades back. Tom, and um, I'm Minnesota's innocent man. Uh, Innocent of what? Minnesota's innocent man. I was um, unfortunately and tragically wrongfully convicted of a rape that never even occurred back in 1999 out of Hennepin County, Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. Spent 10 years in our uh, wonderful prison system as an innocent person and um, have been trying to get help for the last 20 years since this occurred um, when I wound up in prison after having been wrongfully convicted by Mike Freeman's operation over there in Hennepin County. Um, I reached out out to Barry Shack at the New York Innocence Project, and uh, long story short there, Barry told me I had to build one here. From behind bars. So I did just that, Tom. Yep. And so Laura Loomer, after 20 years, has been the first person to come forward and try to actually help me. Um, The Minnesota media has been complicit in this wrongful conviction. Um, Tom Lydon's done three stories with me, but he's never been willing to let me tell my story. Um, So Minnesota residents have been um, covered up from the truth. I'm an innocent man, like I'm telling you, that has been wrongfully convicted and framed out of Hennepin County. I have the evidence to prove that. And then <clears throat> Michelle Melkinson is now interested in my case, thanks to Laura Loomer. Yeah, she's smart. And we're smart. trying to get Kathleen Zellner on board and uh, prove what happened to me. Okay, now, so, so Tom, is there one specific uh, – what I'm trying to think, because I'm not an expert of this stuff in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, thanks for, for calling and, and telling the story. How – who – who could we reach out and connect you with that would be able to be able to help you on this? I'd be more than well, well, uh, more than willing to reach out to someone and ask them if they would help you out with this because that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, it's uh, is there one specific person that that 
that could uh, I could I could ask to reach out to you that would help you the most? Um, I really, really appreciate this, Tom. In 20 years, uh, you're the second person in 20 years that's ever really asked that question. Um, Laura Loomer was the first. And um, so, you know, two heads are better than one. I am an expert in this area, having lived it for 20 years. And um, to answer your question, um, <clears throat> I guess either perhaps governor-elect, you know, Tim Wall, oh, he yeah. would have some authority as the you know, CEO of the state, I would think. Um, Mike Freeman would be more critical because he's the guy running the Hennepin County Attorney's Office now who um, I'm stating publicly framed me. Um, Mark Hasse was running against him, as you're probably well aware of, and Freeman managed somehow to beat him by a razor slim margin. Mark Hasse promised me that if he was elected the Hennepin County Attorney, uh, we had talked somewhat over the phone, uh, et cetera, and uh, he invited me into his office after he won the election, had he won. And um, I was going to be the first case. He was going to vet carefully for his conviction integrity unit. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, you could help me. You okay. Know what I call the voice of Minnesota. And Mike Freeman, the ball is in his court. Uh, in 20 years, he's not been willing to acknowledge that he has framed me um, and that he has a wrongful conviction. And if I can come into his office and dump the evidence on his table and have him accept the fact that he has framed me and that Agent Beth Roberts of the Richfield Police Department, Tom, this is very, very important. Mm -hmm. She was the lead detective on the case. She's basically the only cop really involved. Now listen to this. Beth Roberts, she, she specifically framed me to the point where I am talking about even our Minnesota Court of Appeals, Tom, held that Agent Beth Roberts, a disgraced ex-sergeant over at Richfield PD, she literally picked me out of photo lineups for witnesses that could not identify me because in some cases they had not even met me in person, mm -hmm. and yet they had claimed sexual assault against me. Yep, in the Mincasa, Minnesota Coalition Against Sexual Assault has tapped none other than Beth Roberts to get this, train all the cops in the state for um, sexual assault cases. So what I'm saying to you, Tom, is I have the proof I could come to your, you know, podcast tomorrow or whenever it's convenient, and I can show you in black and white the court transcript where witnesses came forward under oath and they said, look, I never even met this guy. Um, I said that he raped me and he slipped me, you know, a Mickey and he raped me and tied right. me up in these different things. But, yeah, but I have something to confess. I have the report, and I've heard from somebody that is actually even out there, um, that it's even out there, somebody has posted that. Um, but in any event, Tom, I have the documents that I'm saying. Um, Laura Loomer has the document. Michelle Malkin is getting involved. So okay. To, um, yeah, come in the hard way because Mike Freeman doesn't want to admit what you've done to me. Okay, so now when did this, as you said, 20 years ago it happened? Yeah, as, as incredible as the whole story is, Tom, um, God works in mysterious ways. It's taken 20 years. Um, it happened back in 19, back in 1998. I was on telephone okay. chat lines. Okay, yep. So just to give you a little context, you know, I, yeah, yep. tell me if you're short on time. But no, 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 thank we'll you. Time. I was out on we'll telephone chat lines. Okay, thank you. Uh, and, and being out on telephone chat lines at that time, I was, you know, about 30 years old, um, working as a salesman over at uh, Opus in Minnetonka. You know, oh, just yeah. one, yep. one yep. of the guys, Tom. Yep, grew up out in Edina, um, just a normal kid, grew up out in Edina, had a great childhood. Um, started seeing Grateful Dead concerts at, like, age 15 with my now deceased brother, Steve. Um, oh, God rest his soul. I lost both of my brothers within six months of each other in 1996. Yeah, sorry thank you. to hear that. Um, and then, thank you, Tom. And then two years later, <clears throat> my parents lost me through wrongful conviction. And then while in prison, my mother died, my beloved mom, Betty Evanstad. Mm -hmm. um, and because she died in Florida, I could not even like go to her funeral in Florida. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you know, if it would have been, if she would have been in the state here, but, but the idea of having to go, can you, can you imagine this, Tom? Having, your mother dies, and number one, you can't even see her. And number two, if you could, you'd have to go in a Jeffrey Dahmer costume with a special viewing with, like, deputies and things. Yeah. You can't imagine what I've gone through. Yep. But I've told my story, Tom, and I want to make you aware of this, that um, Laura had a – now listen to this. Do you know who Laura Loomer is? I do not, know. Oh, okay, thank you. She's a 25-year-old Jewish journalist um, with a – uh, she's with Illuminate Media Incorporated. She's a citizen journalist, Tom. So I think this is really going to be a powerful connection for you. And she and I talk about, I mentioned six degrees of separation. Everything happens for a reason. God moves the chess pieces around. 
And if people can just understand that and have faith, because as much fear as the state has put me through, Tom, and I can tell you flat out, they've had me terrified for 20 years, basically always in fear. Mm-hmm. My faith has always been stronger than my fear. Um, so my faith has carried me to this day. And anyway, so God put me in touch with Laura at the right moment when I needed her. And then um, through her company, she had 265,000 followers on Twitter, Tom. Um, mm-hmm. She has loomered. Uh, the likes of Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton. You know, this might ring a bell as you've seen something. I mean, you probably yeah. talked about some of this stuff maybe. Okay, but she's the woman that, um, you know, sort of the Howard Stern, but, but, but in a, not in that shock jock, like cheesy way. This is a serious person. She mm-hmm. could be potentially the new face of media now that CNN has you know, been fake news for a long time. Fox has taken a U-turn when they called the midterms. Um, early, and then that could have caught seats, you know, in Alaska. So right. there's a lot of problems with that. Yep. So Laura is positioning herself, Tom. Um, the, the, she was called the face of free speech right now after, um, within 48 hours of Laura Loomer introducing Tom Evanstead to the world, Tom. Now get this. Mm-hmm. Within 48 hours of her introducing me to the world with her 265,000 followers saying, hey, look who I've unearthed. Thomas Evanstead, Minnesota's innocent man, a guy who's been voice crying from the wilderness for two decades and has been absolutely shut down by every single Star Tribune, Pioneer Press, <clears throat> channels 4, 5, 9, and 11. They will not tell my story to save their souls. They've been bought, bought and paid for two decades ago. <clears throat> but in any event, um, on a more positive note, um, Laura, as I'm saying, Tom, she had 265,000 followers on Twitter. <clears throat> she has loomered, which means to go confront and ask the hard questions that no other journalist on earth will do mm-hmm. <clears throat> of the political figures that run our you know, country and the world. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Maxine Waters, uh, Michael Avenatti, everything's gone downhill for creepy porn lawyers since Loomer loomered them at Politicon back a month or two ago. Yep. Um, yep. yep, I met her at the Keith Ellison loomering the third time that she loomered Ellison. He went running like a little, you know, scared, um, you know, whatever he's all about. Um, Ellison's a whole other story. Anyway, so Ilhan, you know, I heard you talking about Ilhan. Uh, you had a wonderful Brittany Neal was your guest, and I happened mm-hmm. to be kicked back. My yep, medical marijuana program, Tom, keeping me, uh, keeping me sane and putting it all together here. Mm-hmm. So I'm kicked back. I'm on the medical marijuana program. Boom, I'm listening to your podcast. And then you start in with uh, the truth um, about Ilhan and about Ellison, how dangerous they are to the state and country. Yep. And then Laura Lumber posts a very, yep, thank you. She posts a very benign tweet about Ilhan. Now, remember, she's been tweeting about Ilhan for years. But my point is, within 48 hours of her introducing the world to me and saying, hey, check out this guy, um, do you believe him? And then putting my op-ed out, which is over 3,000 words of, you know, a little summation of what's happened to me, um, boom, within 48 hours, her entire platform is gone, Tom. And so just like the state expected me to go quietly, including an attempt to civilly commit me, they had me in the MSLP for about 18 months, my life in limbo. I, I've forgotten more about the MSLP than anybody in this entire state. Um, <clears throat> so they put me through the little torture test, Tom. I dealt with their, um, again, Logical torture of, of, of MSOP. So there's nobody who's more knowledgeable than myself. Oops, we kind of lost. Tom, we kind of lost you there. Yep, we, can, we can barely hear you. There you, go. there you go. I think you're back now. Oh, I'm sorry. Connection's a little oh, off. Okay, I'm really sorry about that. No, not a problem. Okay. Um, so, so what kind of loss did you say? Uh, no, I, I, what I'd like to do, you said Laura, uh, your name is Lori Loomer? Laura Loomer, yeah. Laura Loomer. <laughs> Um, right, I... Laura Loomer's helping me. She's putting me in touch with me. She's she's getting things together with Michelle Malkin. So I have like a portal called Uncuff the Innocent, mm-hmm. and um, the documents are going to be close. Yep. So I'm starting to get some help there. But what you can do for me, Tom, the most important thing, uh-huh. publicity, because I firmly believe that sunlight is the best disinfectant. And if somebody is actually innocent, then they would want to put themselves in their spotlight and mic. I want to go to the electron microscope. I want people to know about me, that I'm out here and that I'm innocent and that I have the evidence to prove it, but I have a guy named Mike Freeman who's not allowing the truth to come forward. And so I'll just slow down and let you know one last thing, which again, which is a sure. smart county, as I mentioned. Yep, conviction integrity unit. So what you could do is you could perhaps try to use your influence to ask why does Mike Freeman not have a conviction integrity unit? If you know, if he's a minister of justice, which is what prosecutors are supposed to be, mm-hmm. and speaking of which, Don, get this. Senator Amy Klobuchar here, um, I've called her office for 
long as she's been a senator, along with Senator Tina Smith, they will not meet with me or my father. My dad's 91 years old. I've asked her people, can they just, you know, meet with my dad? I'll take the powder. And my dad. Okay. Okay. And then Klobuchar at the Kavanaugh hearings, Tom, she said that she's a quote. As the Hennepin County District Attorney, I was a quote, Minister of Justice. She committed perjury at the Kavanaugh hearings. She then went on to say that she, quote, I only prosecute guilty people. And so what I'm saying is there needs to be an ethics probe launched against Senator Andy Klobuchar. Her idea of running for president, that's a non-starter. She was the Hennepin County attorney when my case went up on appeal, Tom, mm-hmm. and she knew that I was innocent. And instead, Amy Klobuchar covered up for Mike Freeman. And so anyway, this whole dirty rat's nest is about to be, um, you know, nationally exposed. And I just wanted to touch bases with you to let you know that I've really liked you for 33 years. I've been listening to you. I'm Thank 53 you. now. Thank Since you. Absolutely. What we're going to do, because uh, Tom, uh, I'm going to reach out to Lori Loomer and talk to her about this because we only have like 20 seconds Beautiful. Left now. But I'll reach out to her Beautiful. and I'll find out more. But I appreciate your call, sir, and th- thank you for your kind words. She's at lauralumer.us. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Have a good day, sir. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, God bless. Thank you very much, Tom. Absolutely. Have a Merry Christmas, sir. Hey, you too. Merry Christmas, Tom. It's nice to be able to say that again. Thanks to President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Thanks again, Tom. That sounds good. Bye. All right, bye. That'd be a pretty good, uh, pretty interesting uh, subject. Uh, you know, one thing I will tell you, it is is humbling that people do call in thinking that some dumbass disc jockey like me can do something for them. <laughs> but I do know, I do know a lot of people, and I think that's that's the part I can do for Tom even Evenstad is reach out to these people to find out exactly what's going because I don't know anything about the case, and yeah. therefore I'll take some time to learn the case. Uh, you know, in the next month or so, and we'll figure out by the time we get get back after. Uh, after the holiday break, you know, probably around the 7th of January, I think is when that's over. So I will reach out to, it's, it's Laura Loomer, you yeah. said? I'll reach out to her. I'll find out whatever I can. And then, uh, you know, just a few weeks from now, we'll try to figure this whole situation out. Because a lot of people hit the road during the holidays, so it's going to be a, a little difficult to get it done before the new year. But right after the new year, he's, you know, Tom's waited for 20 years. So the next three, yeah, it's going to be pretty tough right now. But I will make every effort, and we'll see what we can do uh, by the time the new year begins. So have a great day. Thanks for listening.